then uh, I mentioned that I grew up in West Texas and lived there the first 30 years of my life, and I thought that I would live there and live my whole life and die and be buried there. But the Lord impressed me to come to Mount Carmel uh, not quite 30 years ago, maybe 28 years ago. And he did it through uh, some experiences with uh, Brother Von Petty, a phone call, and then an experience with Steve and Kathy, and some verses out of the book of Acts. And it was actually, um, it was in Acts chapter 17. So when I read this verse, um, and there are some dates that are attached to it, um, I didn't know what to make of it at the time, but I'll share it with you and see if it's of any benefit. It said in Acts chapter 18, this verse came to me, and I've shared it with a few folks that are here. Uh, not everybody, but a few, and, and sort of my thoughts. I did not know whether I would be here today or not. It wasn't because of the coronavirus, but it was because of this verse right here. So Acts chapter 18. This verse came to me when we had a service in New York. And it spoke to me uh, profoundly. And I highlighted the verse. And not only did I highlight the verse, but I wrote the date that this verse came to me. And then I wrote the date of the 18 months following it. And it says, And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the Word of God among us. And that's Acts chapter 18. Now I felt impressed with the Lord when I came to Mount Carmel, and I did not know whether that meant that the Lord had another field of labor for me to labor in. I didn't know how to interpret it, but... I did feel a strong sense and satisfaction that for a year and six months, the Lord had a field of labor for me at Mount Carmel. Now, interestingly, I wrote that date down. I showed it to Steve and Kathy when we were talking recently. And I wrote that date in my Bible. And then I wrote the date that was a year and six months after that. And I have different Bible. It's the same King James Version Bible, but my Bible that I have this written in is at home. But it was interesting that it was... Uh, the date was February, I believe, the 22nd. And that was the last Sunday that I was here. And so when this came and impressed upon me that the Lord would have me to continue for a year and six months and teaching among the Lord's people, I thought, well, Lord, what is it that I should be teaching? If you have another field of labor for me, then what should I be teaching? What is it that I should be emphasizing? And I felt impressed, and if you think back, you'll remember that we went through in detail the articles of faith. Wanted to make sure that we were well grounded in that. We talked about in many of the sermons about the practice that we have, the simplicity of our service and the history of the church. 
and felt like that that was what the Lord would have us to emphasize upon. It may be. First of all, I'll say that when the church called me to pastor here, Brother Malcolm said, there's two stipulations. He said, we're not going to have an annual pastor call. Brother Kilby's still living. He's the only deacon that was a deacon at that time when I was called, so he could testify to this. But he said, we're not going to have an annual pastor call. That's probably good because there's been some times that I don't know if it would have been called back. But um, no, I say that lightly. I hope that that would have not been the case. But he said, it's for as long as you feel like the Lord is leading you here. And it's also for as long as the church feels like that the Lord is leading you here. So, I pray the Lord will make it clear when it's the time to uh, another field of labor, if that's ever the case. Or maybe I'll be like Elder Thompson and live to uh, an old age of 80 some odd. Uh, but that's, that's not really my decision. I trust it's the Lord's. And I want to be mindful to the Lord in that. So, interestingly, we continued for a year and six months and we had no more services. Or I, I, There was one more service. I believe Elder Aquino was here. One, maybe two. I was tending my father. But no more after that that I was here. And looking back, I think it may have been, certainly the Lord knows all things, but it may have been that the Lord, not did the Lord know we were going to experience this breach in worship? Certainly the Lord knew that. But it may have been that the Lord had impressed that upon my heart to somewhat ground us in being able to go for three months or two and a half months without being able to come together and worship the Lord. I felt impressed that there was some strong reason to preach in those areas and ground folks in those very principles. I don't know if that means anything to you, but it did it, it to me. Psalm 122. I love this psalm, and I hope that you will as well after we look at it. It's, a, it's not a real long psalm, but it's, it's really, really good. And it starts out, and here's what the psalmist said. It's almost, it's like a song, a great song. It's a great message. He starts out, and he said, I was glad. I don't know about you, but I like to be glad. I like to hear things that make me glad. I don't like scary movies. My dad and my sister and John, he likes them. Okay. I, 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 the psalmist says, my, my sister and my dad enjoyed that, that bonding time together because they both like scary movies. I just didn't sign up for that. That's just not my source of enjoyment. It doesn't make me glad. And here he says, I was glad. Well, now, I, I kind of like things that, that make me glad. And I like things that make you glad as well. And he says right here, the psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I trust that you're here this morning. And one of the reasons you're here is that you were happy to be able to come to the house of the Lord. 
that you were excited about being able to come to the house of the Lord, that you were excited to be able to see your brothers and sisters in Christ and fellowship with those in the house of the Lord. And the psalmist says, when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord, he said, I was glad about it. That's a, a great way to be. Well, well, why is it that we should be glad to go into the house of the Lord? What is it that should motivate us to go to the house of the Lord? First of all, we go to the house of the Lord because that's the place that God has chosen to make His presence and to dwell among His people. He's chosen to be there. In fact, he says that whether two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them also. It may be that sometimes we don't feel or sense the presence of the Lord, but it's, it may not be that it's because the Lord is not there. It just may be that we're not in the right spirit. Because He's given us a promise that if there's two or three that are gathered together, this is the requirement. The Lord says, if you've got two or three that are gathered together in my name, He says, I promise that I'm going to be there as well. So if we don't experience the fellowship and the spirit and the blessing of the Lord, it's very possible that the problem's with us, not with God. God has promised to be there. So we ought to be glad to go to the house of the Lord because first of all, that's the place that the Lord has promised to be. The second reason that we like to go to the house of the Lord, the house of the Lord, the church of Jesus Christ is built up of lively stones. Not dead stones, but lively stones. What does that mean? That means our brothers and sisters in Christ are made alive by the Spirit of God. We, we rejoice and we feed upon the spiritual things of God. It motivates us. It encourages us. Uh, we, we make our journey down through life as living creatures. And we do it as lively stones. And in the church of Jesus Christ... It's made up of believers, of brothers and sisters, of lively stones. In the church of Jesus Christ, the, the, another reason that we, we delight to go there is that it's built upon the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is what the church is established upon, what it's built upon. The promises of Jesus Christ, the, the life of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The church is built upon the promises of, of Jesus Christ. It's, a, it's both a privilege and it's a duty for those that have been shown by God's grace, the church of Jesus Christ. Now, we're very thankful for this building. But the building is not the church. We have a beautiful building to worship in. One of the most beautiful among primitive Baptists. Beautiful building. But the building's not the church. The building represents a whole lot. It represents a lot of great memories. I, I, I enjoy thinking back on some of those wonderful, wonderful memories that God has blessed us with in the fellowship of the saints, of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it represents that. But the building is not the church. The church is the body. 
We can take you to a lot of empty buildings, large cemeteries that represent maybe years gone by. But the church is the body. It's made up of lively stones. Amen. Another reason we like to go there is that there's an abundance of spiritual pleasure in the Lord's church. A lot of things we might find some degree of happiness in. A lot of things we might find some degree of joy in here in this life. But a lot of the things that we might pursue or spend a whole lot of effort seeking to find those seasons of pleasure, we find out maybe later in life that those things quickly pass away. And then we find that we spent so much of our life seeking that. When the songwriter says, the place most delightful this earth can afford is the house of the Lord. Right in the house of the Lord. Why would we go seeking it somewhere else when it's right here? Another reason we delight to to go to the house of the Lord, it should be, it was designed to be a place of refuge, a place of safety, a place to go that's out of this world that oftentimes seems like it's just out of control. There ought to be a place that we can run to and we can find a place of peace and comfort and security and safety. And it ought to be in the house of the Lord. Now, I'll share this experience. I may have, I'm sure I've mentioned this before. When I had the blessing of going with a group of ministers to the Philippines, um, I'd not ever been that far away out of the country. Been to Canada, been to Mexico, but not ever that far away. It's like 21 hours by plane. That was a long way for me. It was, it was, it was a long way. Um, I wasn't really that comfortable with there. It was uh, out of my comfort zone. My comfort zone is pretty narrow. It really is. It's, it's pretty narrow. Some of you have a much broader comfort zone than I do, but mine is pretty narrow. That was out of my comfort zone. I'm, I'm comfortable in my comfort zone. Yours may be a lot broader than that. But when I got there, I was very uncomfortable. I was thankful I was with some other ministers and brothers in Christ. I did, as we rode around, I didn't recognize anything. And there wasn't much that I saw that looked like back home. It was very, very different. Somebody said to Brother Mark, I, I, I hope I'm not putting words in, in his mouth, but somebody said to him, well, I hope Brother Stephen doesn't move over there. Brother Mark says, I can assure you, you don't have to worry about him moving over there. Well, Brother Mark was right. I mean, I, if, it'd take the Lord in the matter for me to go. And if the Lord was, I hope I would. But, but I felt so um, out of place. And then when I began to meet with 
the church folks felt a whole lot better. That helped a, a whole lot. But then there was something else that helped me. We were driving around. I mean, I had, I had not ever witnessed poverty to the same degree that I saw there. I mean, the poorest person here in the United States is far better off than most of the people that I was around there. And the, we were driving around, and I believe we were in Manila, I believe. There was a fella talking on his cell phone. I think this is probably when they first came out and the window was rolled down and it was right in front of us and I saw a a young man just run up to the window and grab that cell phone and kept running. I mean, that it just was a little bit out of my comfort zone. Well, we were driving around and all of a sudden we passed by and Elder Harder said, right there, is the American Embassy. Well now, all of a sudden, and it may have been a fake sense of peace, all of a sudden, a sense of peace came over me. I thought, if I run into a problem, if I can somehow get back to this location, and I can get inside this embassy, these are the thoughts that went through my mind. If I can somehow get inside this embassy, I'll be taken care of. And I'm going to be able to communicate with folks that kind of understand where I'm coming from. And I'm going to be able to communicate with folks that are going to have my best interest in mind. And I got to thinking about it. And that's the same way that God designed the church right here. We're referred to as pilgrims and strangers. We are pilgrims and strangers on this earth. Sometimes we get fairly comfortable until a tragedy comes our way and then we realize how much we are pilgrims and strangers here upon this earth. And there's a lot of times that we can't even relate to people that are out in the community or in the workplace because our thoughts and our desires are different from theirs and they can't understand maybe where we're coming from. Much like the embassy, the church of Jesus Christ is our embassy right here upon this earth. If we can find the church of Jesus Christ, then we can find that it's a place of safety. It's a place where there's other brothers and sisters that can understand us. They can relate to us. And our best interest is in their is in their heart or in their desire. It's much like what I would anticipate the American embassy to be in a foreign country. The Church of Jesus Christ is our embassy here below. Therefore, the psalmist said, he said, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. It's a place of... It's a place of safety. It's also a place where 
we can get encouragement. We should, through God's Word, it should have an impact upon our life and it should encourage us. We should be able to take God's Word and we should be able to encourage each other. You should be able to take what you hear, what you read, the fellowship that you have, and be able to share it with your children and your grandchildren, and it should bring about encouragement in your family as well. I mention this often. I'm so thankful for my grandparents, the grandparents that God blessed me with. They had a close walk with the Lord, and their walk with the Lord had an impact upon my life. It seemed like my life was in such disarray as a young person and there was not any stability that, that I could find. And through the example of godly grandparents, and I can remember my grandfather and my grandmother taking God's word. And when I had a question about something, they wouldn't just answer that question themselves. They would say, well, let's see what the Bible has to say about it. Let's look at what the Bible has to say. And they would turn in the Bible. And so, God's Word should be a great teacher for us. An instructor for us. But God's Word ought to be a great encouragement for us. So when we go to the house of the Lord, it ought to be a place that we can get encouragement. It should. Now God's people face seasons of discouragement, despair, and even loneliness. Did you know that going to the house of the Lord, it oftentimes can address every one of those areas. It can. I was talking to a dear sister that has visited here at Mount Carmel. She's in her late 80s. Her husband had just passed away. She lives in Nashville, has visited Mount Carmel before. And she said... She said, I, I, I miss being able to go to church and be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And she said, I miss the fellowship and the encouragement. And she said, I have to tell you, I even miss the hugs. She said it was a great encouragement to us. Why do you like to go to the house of the Lord? It's a place that we can learn about the Lord. And it's a place that we can be encouraged. Verse 2. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Did, it talks about that... Jerusalem being referred to as the church, if we, if we find it, if we find it, look around. There's not a whole lot that we know that's found it the way that we feel like we have. God has had mercy and blessings and grace upon us. He, he hasn't, he hasn't, we're not better than anybody else. But you've been given a special, special blessing if you have found the church that portrays the truth of Jesus Christ. If there is a truth, if there is a truth and you found it, you're a blessed individual. 
And he says that if we have, that we are to, he says, our feet shall stand in thy gates, O Jerusalem. That just simply means that if you've been shown the church and the truth of Jesus Christ, he says, you take it seriously and you stand in that truth all your life. Don't, don't be fickle about it. Don't take it lightly, but take it seriously and soberly that God has blessed you to understand the truth of His amazing grace, the truth that Jesus Christ pays the price for sinners completely. That Christ does not need our help in assisting Him in salvation at all. That salvation is only and solely by the grace of God and not based upon our works of righteousness. It says our most unrighteous act is His filthy rags. We can't help the Lord out. We can't assist the Lord. We can't merit our salvation. God gives us that freely by His grace. If you know that, you're a blessed individual. You ought to be happy to go to the church of the Lord and hear about it. Here's a good verse that complements that right there. Jeremiah 6 verse 16 says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways. What ways is he talking about right here? Stand ye in the ways. Now this is, this is really good. I, I hope it's a blessing to you. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways. He means... Be steadfast, be unmovable, be strong, be convicted. He says, stand ye in the ways and see. Now, when, when I was young, about a hundred years ago, I remember in the church that I grew up in in West Texas, I was so excited about discovering the truth and the wonderful message of God's grace. And it just blessed my soul and it fed my soul so much that when I remember the first person that, that I knew that had been brought up going to church all their life. Their father actually was a minister of the gospel and they, they'd been brought up in the church all their life. They, they had a wife and children. And I remember when they departed from the church and I was so confused. I was so perplexed. I thought, how can this be? If there is a truth, if we've been shown the truth, why in the world would we ever depart from the truth? And I, 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 sadly, since that time, I've known others that have departed as well. But here he says something right here. He says, if you've been shown the right way, he says, stand in it. And then he says, while you're standing there, look around and see. And he says, and while you're there, ask for the old paths. Sometimes there's uh, some glamour in things that are new. My grandfather used to say, I really don't like antiques. He said, if you live to be as old as I am, you know, you don't want to be around just more antiques. Well, in the church of Jesus Christ, there's a benefit with some of the old antiques. Look what he says right here. He says, stand and see. And he says, and ask for the old paths. Well, first of all, first one that you ask is the Lord. Lord, would you show me the right way? Would you show me the right path? 
Would you teach me the old ways? Would you teach me the right way? He says, ask for the old paths. And he says, by the way, he says, ask for the old paths. And he says, uh, wherein is the good way? Now, this is the inspired word of God. He says, in his church, in his paths, in the old paths that we're to stand in, that we're to look around, that we're to admire, that we're to labor in. He says, ask for the old paths. And he says, where is the good way? Now, we hear about a whole lot of different ways. We can choose a lot of different ways. But he tells us right here that there is a way that is a good way. I'd kind of like to know that I was on the path that was labeled by God as the good way. If I didn't feel like that this is what the scriptures taught, I would be looking for it. And I'd encourage you to do the same. Now look at what he says. He says, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths wherein is the good way. And he says, and when you found it, he says, you walk therein. You labor in it. You live in it. You enjoy it. You serve in it. And he says, as a result, he said, you'll find rest for your souls. Anybody have a troubled soul ever? You can find a place of rest and safety in the old paths. He says, you shall, you shall find rest for your soul. Verse 2, our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compacted together. The church of Jesus Christ is built on Jesus Christ. It says it's compact together. It's built on Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is also, uh, not only is it built upon Christ, but it's positioned in a really good place in this world in which we live. In Matthew chapter 5, the church of Jesus Christ is established as a city that's placed upon a hill. Now, there's a church building in uh, Warwick, New York. Beautiful, beautiful old, old school Baptist meeting place. And interestingly, the, the township of Warwick, some of you here may have been there and, and, and been in this old, old school Baptist meeting house. But the whole town, and also there's another one in Rhode Island, the same, but this was in Warwick, New York. The whole town is... Uh, is lower than this rise that the church is built on. And the church is physically, literally built upon a hill. And it sets up on a hill above the rest of the, the little community of Warwick, New York around it. And as I was standing there and looking down, this verse came to mind that the city is set upon a hill. What does that mean? Now, first of all, ours, we're in a great location here on Route 22, but I don't think it's really physically talking about the physical location. That is rare to see it in a situation like that. It was a blessing 
And that's how we at least ought to have the vision of the church. But the church is built upon a hill. If the church is physically the body, and it's, it's, it's positioned in such a way that other people will see it, how are people going to see it? They're going to see it by looking at your life and mine. That's how they're going to know it. They may not ever pass this building. They may not ever find the physical building of the church. But what they do see is your life. And if your life is lived in such a way that it's going to encourage others to look at the Lord, then that's the fulfillment of the church being set up on a hill that other people can see it. I've had, over the last couple of weeks, opportunities to pray with folks that don't believe the same way I do, that don't even, uh, some of them that don't even have a belief in Jesus Christ, they believe in God, but not Jesus Christ. And through this coronavirus, it's opened doors to be able to minister to people that I would have never had an opportunity to minister to. Now, they may not believe like I do. They may not understand God's Word the way I do. But they certainly know that I believe that way. Brother Bradley was a young man preaching a long time ago, and he preached at a meeting somewhere. And a, uh, um, this was probably back in the 60s. And he used to preach, still does. With, I mean, he's 85 years old, but he still preaches. If you get a chance, listen to the message today. If you're ever given to worry, I tell you it addresses the message today about worry. It talks about worry as being a sin and how to overcome worry. It was a great message. But back to the point. He was preaching and young man full of zeal and enthusiasm and preaching a wonderful message. And the story goes that this man who was visiting this church service came through the handshake and he handed him, I think it was a $20 bill, which would be like a $100 bill today or more. And he said, young man, I didn't believe what you preached, but I sure believe you believed what you preached. Well, I tell you what, we need to believe what's taught in God's Word. And we need to let our light shine so that others will see. Others may see the church and they'll see it through you and I. Another example of the church being set upon a hill. Let me just toss this out because this is worthy of consideration. All this stuff that's going on around us, all the climate, all the political mess that's going on, everything that's going on around us in this world, if the church is set up on a hill, it's above all that. It's over all that. It's far greater than all that. I don't care what your position is or what your thinking is. The church is above all of that. It's a city that's set up on a hill. So, verse 4 says, um, Whither the tribes go up, the tribes uh, of the Lord unto the testimony of the Lord to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. He mentions two reasons right here. Not that these are the only two. But he mentions two reasons right here that we go up to the house of the Lord. And I think it's interesting to note that he talks about going up to the house of the Lord. 
It's a city that's set on a hill. We're going up to the house of the Lord. The first reason that he mentions right here is because of the testimony of the Lord. The Word of God. The truths in God's Word that we can hear through the, the reading of God's Word and the preaching of the Gospel. We go to the Lord's house to hear the testimony of the Lord. To hear the promises of God, the truths of God. But the second reason that we go to the Lord's house is to offer thanks and thanksgiving unto the Lord. Two reasons, not the only two reasons, but uh, primarily two reasons is to hear about the testimonies of God and then to be able to make a little sacrifice by presenting our bodies a living sacrifice in our worship to offer thanksgiving. When we come to the house of the Lord, we shouldn't just come to the house of the Lord in the mindset that I'm going to go there and see what I can get. We should be going to the house of the Lord and say, Lord, what can I give in the house of the Lord? And the greatest thing that you can give is offer a heart of thanksgiving to the Lord for what He's done for you. You go to the house of the Lord to offer thanksgiving. We come to the house of the Lord to offer thanksgiving. In, uh, in Psalm chapter 100, he, he uh, emphasizes this even more. I love this. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord. This is so good. This tells, us, this tells us the mindset to be in when we go to the house of the Lord. I remember say, saying one time, uh, the, the, my pastor said, you know, when you, when you uh, leave the house of the Lord, you ought to always leave with a smile on your face. I mean, it ought, to, it ought to make a difference. I mean, it ought to make a difference in our lives. And I'm not talking about when we're corrected by God's Word and we're changed and challenged by God's Word. I'm saying that if the Lord is there and we sense the presence of the Lord and we can go in thanksgiving to the Lord, that even if we're taught things that are difficult for us, we ought to be able to leave and be encouraged in the Lord. And I remember when my pastor said that, I was 15 years old, 16, I remember thinking to myself, I'm sharing it with you now. I thought, I don't always go to church with a smile on my face. I ought to, but I don't always do that. But I always leave with a smile, rejoicing in the Lord. Really and truly, going to church, going to church ought to make a difference in our life. It should. The psalmist said he was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 100, so good. Serve the Lord with gladness. How are we to come before the Lord? We're to come before the Lord with gladness. We're to come before His presence with singing. Sounds like that's an essential element, does it not? It says we're to come before the Lord with singing. He says, Know ye that the Lord, He is good, and that He hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are the sheep of His pasture. And then this next verse is so good. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and enter into His courts with praise, and be thankful and bless His name. For the Lord is good, and His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth. To all generations. Now, just want to 
wrap up the last few verses right here. This is, this is really good. It'll be, it'll be a blessing for you. He tells us that while we're there, there's some things that we should be praying for the church of God. We're to be praying that peace will reign in the Lord's house and that God will bless or prosper the worship as well. He says, for there are set thrones of judgments and thrones of the house of David. There's judgments in God's word and in God's house. He says, pray for peace in Jerusalem, of Jerusalem, and that they shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. I want to mention a, an individual right here in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 6, if you want to read this. An individual is mentioned right here, is singled out, that, that was in charge of or kept the ark of God. If you want to go to 2 Samuel chapter 6. It says in verse 10, So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed, Obedidim. How do you say that, Brother Danny? Obedidim. Okay. Um, and it says the ark, and if you look up Obedidim, it means that he's a servant of Edom. And it says, And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And this is interesting right here. The ark of the Lord was representative of the presence of the Lord. You have the church and the gospel that's representative of the truth of the Lord. And he said that the ark of the Lord was in his house, was kept, that he had the oversight of the ark of the Lord for a three month period and it's interesting right here and it said and the Lord blessed Obadiah and all of his household and it says and it was told David saying the Lord hath blessed the house of Obadiah and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of the Lord. You say, how, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? He says in Psalm chapter 122 that we're first of all to pray for peace within the walls of Zion. But he says also pray for prosperity within the walls. And that he says in verse 6, And they prosper that love thee. This is what I believe it means right here. If you found the church of Jesus Christ, and you commit your life to be used of the Lord in the Lord's kingdom, and you make it a priority in your life, the Lord's promise to bless you and to prosper you in doing it. I can look back upon the lives of many of the faithful servants that have gone before and how that God blessed them. I miss some of those that were such a blessing. I think of 
I think of Brother Oris Jackson. I think of him a lot. I mean, I've heard this description said of Brother Jackson. He was a prince of a guy. And that's all the people that knew him in Bel Air. He knew a lot of people in Bel Air. As well as in the church. And the churches around. I look at people that have had hardship in their life. But the church was a priority in their life. And even in the midst of their trials and difficulties, the Lord prospered them. The Lord held them up with His presence. The Lord strengthened them. I'm so old, I remember Sister Dolan. Probably there's fewer and fewer that remember Sister Dolan. Lived to be almost 100 years old. Brother Mark remembers Sister Dolan. Sister Greenfield. Faithful little sister. Had a lot of hardships in her life. Her, I don't know what happened to her children. I think they, well, I think all three of them passed away. One of them was struck by lightning up here on 543 and 22. Been swimming and running home from swimming. And she actually had two children that got struck by lightning. One died, one lived. She outlived all three of her children. She began to outlive her grandchildren. She was rearing her great-grandchildren. She had a lot of hardships and trials. But if you talked to her and carried on a conversation with her, you know what the direction of the conversation would be? It wouldn't be filled with complaint and bitterness. She'd be talking about how good the Lord had been to her. How is that? It's because the Lord can prosper us in the midst of all these challenges. Amen. If you find the Lord's church and you commit to the Lord's church and you make that a priority in your life, you center your life around church. Do you know, really and truly, and soon hopefully we'll be able to just open up and meet all we want to again and, and won't have all these baggage you have to deal with. But did you know that really and truly our lives should be centered around the worship service? We really, as soon as we dismiss on Sunday, we ought to start planning for the next Sunday. And it shouldn't be something that we just kind of work in, but it'd be something that we... I, I think we've taken a more serious approach now that we've not been able to meet for a long time. But you know, we really ought to be that way all the time. We ought to. We may not always have the liberty to meet the way we've been able to meet. And it may not be because of the coronavirus. I'll tell you what, there's some folks that they don't like that we meet. And some of that's come out. And it might come out even more. So we ought to be, we ought to be co committed to, if we have the opportunity to be in the house of the Lord, we ought to be there to worship the Lord. Well, we'll wrap it up. If, if you make a commitment to live your life and to influence your family in the Lord's church and it's a priority in your life just simply you'll be blessed in doing it there's a blessing in obedience of being faithful in the Lord's house for my brethren and companions sake now will I say peace be within thy walls verse 9 because of the house of the Lord our God I will seek Thy good.
When we're growing in our love for the Lord, in our love for each other, our love for His Word, when we're growing in our fellowship, it's pleasing to the Lord. And the Lord's going to bless us in doing that. Even in the midst of our trials, our difficulties, our hardships, we can be blessed even in the middle of all that to grow in the Lord. So the psalmist said, and it's a great psalm, he said, as for me, you know, Joshua said, as for me and my house will serve the Lord. The psalmist said, as for me, when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord, I was glad. I hope you are as well. God bless you. glad you've been able to listen to this special podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 10.30 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you.